0: What a glorious future to look forward to that we for endless days will be praising the Lord who is our God. And so look forward to that. It's good to sing that together even for a little bit today. Today we're in Romans 8, 18 through 25. uh, And the title for the sermon is It Gets Much Better. Uh, I think a fitting sermon title and fitting passage for us to be looking at today in many different ways. Uh, If you've got your Bible with you, you can open up to Romans chapter 8. We're going to be going through verses 18 to 25 today. Uh, Sometimes, you know this is true, right? To get through the struggles of the present time, we need to just think about the future. Isn't that sometimes how you get through the struggles of the present time? It might be in small little things, like, like not eternal future, but just small future kind of things, that you've had a rough few days and you just look forward to vacation. You know that sometime off in the distance, vacation time is coming, and you just, you look forward to that. Or maybe it's retirement, that that you're kind of like, man, I am just worn out and I just can't wait till I get to that day in the future. And you spend a decent amount of your time, if you actually think about it, thinking about how much better stuff is going to be in the future, if just, if only... This would happen. I'm going to graduate. Don't have to go to school anymore for a while. Maybe you're looking forward to Christmas, or maybe it's just Friday that you're looking forward to, right? But we look forward to things in the future. But the problem is that the future, when it comes to many of those things that I just mentioned, doesn't seem to be guaranteed to us. So we might, have you ever had like a vacation that just flopped? Like you've been looking forward to it, like I really need this. And then your vacation is just not all it was cracked up to be. I could tell you multiple stories from the Nelson family, and I think I've told one before. I probably haven't told this one of a time when, so uh, I was a youth pastor. We had two kids at the time living in South Dakota, uh, and, uh, and we were worn out. Pastoral ministry and just parenting and all that stuff, we were worn out looking forward to this vacation. It was on the calendar for a long time, and the best part is it was going to be free. And I know I've told you about another free vacation that flopped. I don't think I've told you about this one. This one uh, was a family, again, that was offering their home to a pastor and his family who just needed a break, like, that's us. So, so we uh, traveled across uh, from South Dakota, across the great state of Iowa, to southwestern Wisconsin, where this uh, home was available for our use. I don't know when the last time somebody had used this home uh, was, uh, but it was cl- quite clear to us uh, when we arrived, that with little kids who crawled around on the floor and ate things and stuff like that, this was not going to be a comfortable place. Uh, there was evidence of both dead and living mice uh, all over the place in this house. So even like, man, you know, we just want to eat something. Get out the toaster. There's mouse droppings all over the top of the toaster. Just a nasty house to be in, quite quite frankly. And so we're like, well, at least it was was fall, I think. Like, we could spend some time outside. We went for a walk outside, only to be stalked by some sort of wildcat in the woods. Like, you could hear it, like, through the, and then it was, like, hissing at us. And we're like, oh, and we came from South Dakota, where there's, like, mountain lions. We found out later, this was just, like, nothing that would have done anything to us. But we were scared enough, like, I don't want to go outside. I really don't want to hang out inside. And so that vacation, which we had looked forward to for some time, ended up to be kind of, A flop. Well, today we're going to be looking at a passage in Scripture that is not going to, uh, that, that I hope is going to give us all sorts of hope. Helping us to see, yes, as we endure lots of suffering in the present time, it is a good thing for us to do to be thinking about the future. But the future that Scripture calls us to think about is not necessarily retirement or vacation, but it is a promised future that God has in store for us, one that's guaranteed to work out perfectly. Here's the big idea today. Though we suffer along with all creation now, we wait with hope for the coming glory. Though we suffer along with all creation now, we wait with hope for the coming glory. That's what we're going to see as we go through Romans eight eighteen through 25 today. If you're able to, would you stand as we read God's Word? We heard all of this chapter earlier from Tina, and by the way, Tina, excellent job, and thank you for doing that work. But let's go ahead and look at verses 18 to 25 again now. God's Word says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed. For the creation "...waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but in hope that the creation itself might be set free from its bondage to corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now, and not only the creation, but we ourselves." who have the firstfruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, hope. for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Let's pray. Father, that's what we need uh, this morning. Uh, we, we need to hear the good news that comes from your word about a good future for all of us who are in Christ. Whether the suffering that we're feeling today uh, is, is strong or maybe even just minor, we recognize that we live in a world full of suffering. And it's not only us who groan and long for it to be better. All of creation is groaning and longing for things to be better than they are now. I thank you that you promise that they will be, and I thank you that it's all centered on Jesus. And so I pray that He would be glorified as we spend time in Your Word today. In Jesus' name, Amen. You can go ahead and take a seat. So, in your bulletin, once again, there is an outline uh, for you to maybe take some notes in, if that helps you to follow along, and then a life group guide. Uh, I'm uh, kind of bummed our life group's not meeting this week, and I put this life group guide together this week and thought, man, that's going to be some really good discussion. I'm looking forward to that. And then they're like, oh, no, we're not meeting. Um, But even if you're not in a life group or your life group's not meeting this week, I'd encourage you to go ahead and um, use that guide so that we might apply God's word to our life outside of the time that we're here, too. All right, first point is this. All creation is groaning and waiting for what is coming. All creation is groaning and waiting and waiting for what is coming. We see that in these first few verses, verses 18 through 22. Here's what it begins with in verse 18. For I consider the sufferings of this present time. Now, Paul, remember, is writing to Roman Christians. And so we can assume that Roman Christians in the first century suffered. Because suffering is pretty much a universal experience, right? So what what might have they been suffering for? Paul doesn't get specific. But suffering in their time really comes about in the same ways that it comes about in our time. Sometimes we suffer, don't we, because of our own sinful choices. Some of the suffering that we have in relationships with other people or whatever else comes as a direct result of our own sin. Right? Our own, not just sinful choices, sinful attitudes can mess things up right, and cause suffering. Sometimes suffering comes... Not because of our own sin, but just because we live in a fallen world. Our world is fallen, cursed under sin, and because of that we experience suffering. And also sometimes suffering comes about because of our trust in Jesus. Those who trust in Jesus can expect tribulation, trials, and suffering to take place. Right. So I'm not sure what kind of suffering, and maybe all of it, is what Paul was getting at here as he wrote, For I consider the sufferings of this present time. He's talking about the present time in which he lived, but the present time can really apply to all present times, right? That there's not been a generation that's not endured suffering in some way. It's part of life in a fallen world. But then, and man, we're just praying about stuff. I mean, you think of all the stuff that fits in this category, we talk about our brothers and sisters from our church family who are suffering right now. We don't like that. It's not, it's not, we, we're not going to sugarcoat suffering. We're not going to downplay. Suffering is suffering, and we don't like it. Right? But Paul is pointing us to something else here that I think is important when he says, I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. So he's saying, yes, there is suffering. I'm acknowledging that. I'm not going to downplay it. I'm acknowledging there's suffering in this present time. But let me tell you this. It's not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Something is coming ahead in the future that is going to make us look back on suffering and kind of shrug our shoulders like, oh, that, 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 that was not a big deal. I don't get how that's going to work, but... But that's what we see here. It's not even worth comparing, Paul says. And what is this glory that he's talking about? I think in context we could say that this glory that we're looking forward to is this awesome reality that we who trust in Christ will one day share in God's holiness and beauty in some incredible way. I don't totally understand how that's going to look, but somehow it says at the end of verse 17, we will be glorified with Him. Did you see that at the end of verse 17? That's what we looked at last week. And so he says it's not worth comparing the glory that is to be revealed to us. That means it has not yet been revealed. That doesn't mean that that glory doesn't exist. It's not like God's still working on a plan. God has a plan. It's just not yet been revealed to us. But it's going to be. There's all those things that I talked about as we look forward to the future. Things that we're uncertain about. But this is a sure thing. It doesn't say the glory that might be revealed to us. It says the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so it's good news. But right now, so it's just kind of like the intro to this little passage. And now he's going to get back into all creation. Talking about here's what it's like now. Here's what it's going to be like in the future. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at in verses 19 through 22. Right now, all creation is groaning and waiting. Verse 19 says it this way. For the creation waits with eager longing. Okay, it's not just us. It's all of creation who's looking at everything around us and, and waiting and longing for something better than it is now. All creation Waits with eager longing. That, that the way that that's translated, it could almost be translated in our kind of language as to waiting on tiptoe. I'm not going to do it on the edge of here because I might fall off. But, but you get the idea. Oh, I'll go back here. Okay, like this, like just leaning forward. Like when's it going to come? We're waiting with eager longing. It's not just well, I guess it's going to get better someday, like an Eeyore kind of attitude. It's just it's like no, it's going to. Is it coming yet? Like we're we're anticipating it. All of creation. Is like that. And what are we waiting for? The revealing of the sons of God. The revealing of the sons of God. Not all creation will be glorified with God, but somehow we who trust in Jesus will be glorified with him. It says in verse 17. And now here in verse 19, it says all creation's waiting for that. All creation's waiting for this day. When we who have been adopted as sons of God are revealed. Because creation somehow knows that that's when stuff starts to get better. Right? In this future day. Uh, Again, I don't know when it's coming. Colossians 3, 4 says this. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Good news. Verse 20. Here's the present in verse 20. It says, For the creation was subjected to futility. Futility is just like, actually it's the word, uh, if you went back and looked at the Greek version of the Old Testament, that's the same word that's used in the book of Ecclesiastes. Remember this summer we went through the book of Ecclesiastes? Remember that word we kept coming back to over and over again? Vanity or meaningless? It's the same word here. Okay? Futility. All of creation is kind of dwelling in this thing where it just seems like meaningless, vain, futile. But futility is not the end because it says in the rest of that verse and into verse 21, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Everything right now is, is, is tainted by some sort of corruption. Everything in creation is in the process of dying. Things don't just naturally get better. Things naturally decay and die over time. But one day we're told that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. God's redemptive work certainly starts with his people. But one day, the work that God is coming to do to reconcile and restore, we see that in us as his people, but it's one day going to spread to all of creation. Stuff that we look at around, it even, it even will spread to the animal world. Okay? So in Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies this way. Here's what Isaiah says. Listen to this. The wolf will dwell with the lamb, and the leopard will lie down with the young goat, And the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and a little child shall lead them. We're not there yet, right? We're not there yet where wolves and lambs are hanging out together, and I just like want to send my kid out to hang out with a pack of wolves. We're not there yet. But somehow, the work that God is up to is not just going to benefit His people, it's going to benefit all of creation. And all of creation is waiting with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God when the day comes that it will be set free from its bondage to corruption to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We're not there yet because in verse 22 he reminds us that here's where we're at now. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. Uh, an experience that I've witnessed and not been through, of course, myself, but an experience that I know uh, brings about intense, uh, excruciating pain. Uh, Not in and of itself typically looked back upon as a pleasant experience by those who go through it is this experience of childbirth. And Paul is saying that's what it's like. But, it, but it's like childbirth because even those who go through this pain of childbirth recognize that what is to come at the end of it is something that is entirely worth every moment of that pain. Really the same kind of theme that we saw here in verse 18, right? That, that right now all of creation is groaning, but it's like in the pains of childbirth. It's not some chronic pain that's never going to go away. It's like the pain that comes with childbirth, which... Which is followed by something incredibly joyous. Droning as in the pains of childbirth, he says. When it comes to this fallen world, things are more messed up than we even realize. Right? And we complain sometimes the media just shares bad news. There's probably lots of good news they could share, but they're not even sharing all the bad news. Right? Things are more messed up than we even realize most of the time. But... One day, things will be even better than we can imagine. That's the truth that we really see throughout this whole section. So just like a mom who delights in a child does not, like so let's say that child's going to graduate from high school, the mom's, the mom's looking at that child with all sorts of love and compassion and uh, anticipation for what's going on in their future. Their mom's not looking at that child at the moment of graduation and just remembering um, the pains of childbirth. Like, oh, I can't believe what you put me through. That, that's not the attitude of a mother, right? So, so, so there's a day coming when, when we're going to, even though at the time the pain that we're going through, the suffering that we're enduring is intense, We're not going to, there's coming a time where we're not going to look back on that uh, with any kind of regret, right? That, that one day things will be so good, that we'll forget about or will not even be worth comparing the suffering that we've one time endured. So, I think about how this applies to us, Uh, before we move on to the last verses. I want to think about how this applies to us. How all creation is groaning and waiting for what is to come. Uh, Right? We we look at what's going on in the world around us, and we say, yes, there's got to be something better than this, whether it comes about through something like natural disasters, right, that we think of the nation of Haiti, who was already struggling with all sorts of human corruption that caused lots of poverty, uh, followed by an earthquake that devastated the land, followed by now a hurricane that brought about floods, all of that kind of, we look at that and we say, it's got to get better than this. This is messed up. That's true, right? Or we might look at, we might look at uh, the evil of terrorist groups that are wreaking havoc around the globe. Or you might even look at the presidential election in our own country and say, there's so much there, there's so many either alleged or confirmed, it's just filled with all this controversy that, that these evil actions and attitudes and thoughts that we see coming through, and we wonder what the future is going to be like. All creation is groaning and waiting for what is to come. And then we get to verses 23 to 25. Verses 18 to 22 kind of are a wide-angle lens view, looking at all of creation, that all of creation is longing for something to get better than it is right now. And then we, who are in Christ, have that same longing in verses 23 to 25. Zooming in on us, we groan and wait patiently, but with hope. We groan. And wait patiently with hope. So let's look at these last three verses. Verse 23 says it this way And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit. Creation is longing for this promised future, and so are we. Now, when it says we have the first fruits of the Spirit, we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's just referring to this reality that that we who have been saved by God's grace through faith in Jesus our ex- our experience of salvation is not yet complete right so we have the first fruits of the spirit right that that the spirit has has come to dwell in us and we have been delivered from the penalty of sin we are currently being delivered from the power of sin and we will one day be delivered from even the presence of sin Right? So we who have the first fruits of the Spirit, that's another name for Christians, okay? But we recognize that our salvation's not yet complete. Everything that's going to, that needs to be done for us to be saved has already been done, but our experience of that salvation is not yet complete. So we are those who have the first fruits of the Spirit, and what are we doing? The same thing that the rest of creation is doing. Groaning inwardly as we Wait eagerly. We think of all the things that just happened in this last week, just in our church family alone, and we're not okay with that. We long for a day when that's not going to be something that we deal with. In whatever kind of situation you find yourself in, a broken family relationship—you just—it's been like it's been going on forever, and it's like, is stuff ever going to get better? That that you've been taking some medication that's supposed to help, and it's not really helping anymore. You wonder, is my body ever going to get better? Is it just going to be like this downward slope for the rest of my life? Right? There's lots of things that we can look at in our lives and all around us to say, this is not the way I want it to be. And we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for it to change. And what are we waiting for? It says, for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Now, we talked about the fact previously in Romans that we who trust in Christ, upon our trusting in Christ, when we're converted, we're immediately adopted as his own. But here, do you notice how Paul talks about it? It's like it's a future thing. We're groaning inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons. It's like in some way our adoption, uh, while well, kind of legally finalized, is not yet complete in our experience of it. There's a future sense to our adoption that will one day be more complete. He dwells with us now through his Holy Spirit, but one day we will dwell with the Father in a much more intimate way than we dwell with him, and that he dwells with us even now, right? So we long for that. And then it says the redemption of our bodies. That's something we long for. We groan inwardly, we wait eagerly, We want some new bodies. No more accidents, no more medicine, no more aches, no more pains, no more colds, no more death. All of that stuff that just bugs us or downright beats us up. We look forward to a day when we will not experience any of that anymore. And that day is coming. Verse 24. Verse 24 says, Oh, skip ahead a little bit. For in this hope we were saved in this hope we were saved what hope it's the hope of what god is yet to do in the future we're saved into that kind of hope now who now hope that is seen is not hope for who hopes for what he sees our hope is not in what we are seeing and experiencing right now right our hope cannot or should not be in what we are seeing and experiencing Right now, Because what we see and experience right now in this world is suffering to some degree or another. So our hope is not in that. Our hope is in what we do not see. Our hope is in a creation that's set free from bondage to corruption. Our hope is in our completed adoption as sons. Our hope is in the redemption of our bodies. We don't see any of that yet. But we're told it's coming. And that's where we put our hope. So, One thing that a lot of people are thinking about right now is thinking about this election that's coming up and asking questions like, so what if Hillary is our next president? Or what if Donald is our next president? What what does that mean for our future? You know what I can tell you for sure? I I don't know. I don't know what that means for our future. No one does. And you can spend hours listening to people's thoughts and opinions on what that might mean for our future, and I think it's good for us to be uh, well-studied, to know a bit before we go and cast a vote. However, I think it would be even more valuable f- for us to spend more of our time looking at something that we know for sure about the future. Right? So, so, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it looks like for the future of our nation uh, with one of those two people leading it, but here's what I do know. I do know that God's word has something to say about the future of all who trust in Christ. And it would be wise for us to spend probably more time than we do meditating on what God has to say about the future. Because as we think about the future that God has promised to us that is guaranteed, I think we would spend a little less time fretting and worrying about things that are going on right now in the present. I think we would spend our time differently. I think we would spend our money differently. I think, I think our lives would drastically change if we were to spend more of our time focused not just on what is going on, what is seen around us, but on what is yet unseen, the things that God promises for sure are coming in the future. So I think that would be beneficial and maybe one application of this for us. But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Isn't that last line hard? Like, this all just seems like, oh, yeah, and then he's like, we wait for it with patience? Like, well, I don't know about, I don't. maybe you are, Paul, but I'm not being very patient, right? That, that, that's just not our nature, to be patient, to know, yes, one day all things are going to be made new. Everything that's broken is going to become fixed. Right? We, we, we want that to happen now. Like, that's great that that's going to happen one day, but something in us, especially as privileged people like we are, we think we deserve to get whatever it is that we think we deserve now. But all of this is really pretty anti-prosperity gospel. We don't get it all now. You want to know what happens now? Now, people get into accidents. Now, people get sick. Now, when the corn crop is good, the corn prices are bad. Now, people that we love die. Now, you get, a lot of, you get less respect for being a Christian. Now, you can fill in the blank with whatever you want to fill in the blank with. That's what happens now. We're not promised that all that stuff is going to get better now. But we're promised a future that is really, really good. And it might not be in five years. But the fact that everything is not going along just swimmingly in your life is certainly not evidence that God is weak and it's certainly not evidence that God doesn't have a plan and that He's not good. Right? That's one thing that we can hold on to for sure. That whatever kind of suffering it is that we're going through, the reason cannot be that God is unable to do something about it or that God is unwilling to do something about it. He is willing to do uh, what is best for our good and for his glory, and he understands that way better than we do and so we might ask the question though well, this is a pretty common question why doesn 't god if if this is god 's plan for the future, why not just do it now like what 's he waiting for? right Have you ever thought that God, you have this incredible plan for the future, and right now we 're stuck in the midst of a bunch of suffering. Why not come and initiate your plan for the future now? Why, why not? What is, what is he waiting for, you might say in frustration? You know what he's waiting for? Look at 2 Peter 3, 8-9. to nine. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. Listen, but he is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. What's God waiting for? Praise God for his patience. There are so many who yet do not trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he's waiting that more and more might come to repent of their sins and trust in him. Praise God for his patience. He has a plan and we can trust him. His promises are sure. And so a concluding question to ask you then would be this. Is your hope in Jesus? If you think about your future, is your hope for your future, does it have something or much to do with your career path or with your retirement portfolio or your financial security or your health? Here's one thing we need to know. This is just reality. I don't want to scare you, but all that can be stripped away from you in a moment. Your health? All stripped away in a moment. Your financial security can all be stripped away in a moment. Everything that you've worked hard for and planned for, I'm not saying not to work hard and not to plan for things, but it can all be stripped away in just a moment. And so our hope is not in the things that are seen, our hope is in what is unseen. In this world, we will suffer and we will die. We don't know when or we don't know how, but we do know that after death comes judgment. And so our hope can only be in Christ. Listen to what it says in, in John chapter 3, verse 18. Whoever believes in Him, that's Jesus, is not condemned. Did you hear what Tina shared right at the beginning? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul is just echoing what Jesus already said in John 3. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe, listen, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If you're thinking about where your hope ought to be for the future, if you don't believe in him, you are already condemned because you do not believe in him. But whoever believes in him is not condemned. The way that we lay hold of this future that God has for all who are in Christ is we repent of our sin and trust in Jesus. The last verse of that chapter, John chapter 3, says this, "...whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, and whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him." Again, quite clear. There are those who do not believe... And those who do not believe will remain under the wrath of God, and those who do believe will have eternal life. And so if you want to walk away from here today, knowing that the sufferings of this present time are not even worth comparing with the future that is to come, I would implore you not to look ahead only to Friday, or to vacation, or to your retirement, or whatever else you would put in that blank, but I would implore you, to look deeply into the future that God has for all who are in Christ. If you have not repented of your sins and put your trust in Jesus, I encourage you to do that. As has been shown even just in our church family in the last week, we don't know what's going to happen in the next hours or even days. We do know for sure, though, that after death comes judgment, and all those who have not trusted in Jesus will stand condemned. But all those who trust in Jesus will have the gift, the free gift of eternal life and the hope of a glorious future beyond all comparison. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the good news uh, that we find in your word. And I pray that you would help us to spend more time in it. That as we could be tempted to look at all the bad news in the world around us, let alone just our own lives, that that wouldn't catch our attention as much as your plans for a glorious future would catch our attention. So Father, help us. Help us to get our eyes firmly fixed on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith. God, help us to get our eyes firmly fixed on the good news that we who are in Christ have a glorious inheritance waiting for us. We're undeserving of it, but I thank you for providing it for us and help us to trust you even in the midst of present suffering. In Jesus' name, amen.